All right. Well, welcome everybody here in Greenfield and uh, all our peeps who are joining us online and our Oak Creek Franklin campus. Hey, uh, before I kick it off, I just want to tell you next week, uh, we are starting a brand new series called Canceling Jesus. Now, we all know what, what cancel culture is, but what many of us don't know is that we take the principles of cancel culture and we actually apply them to Jesus, and it keeps us from experiencing spiritual breakthrough and growth. How, when, and why? Come back next week and find out as we kick it off, and don't forget to invite a friend with you. But today is a very special day as you have the capacity to do something that maybe you were unwilling to do or unable to do before. But before I begin, let me just pray for us. Uh, Father, I just, this is just really sacred stuff that we're gonna talk about. And uh, I, I just ask God that you would prepare our hearts and uh, that you would really do something special because uh, I, I really think that this is near and dear to your heart. And so God, uh, would you just prepare us for that? Would you just do something with us with that? Uh, God, would you just cause us to wrestle and to just really understand what are you calling us to do uh, as we talk about something very near and dear to your heart? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. How many of you have had someone in your life tell you that you can change the world? Maybe you told your kids that. Let's be honest with you. How many of you had someone tell you that? Yeah. Now, listen, I don't want to be negative Nancy to anyone, but I would bet nobody here, including me, is going to change the world personally. I mean, there are, there are a few people who we could say have, have changed the world. I mean, you got people like uh, Mother Teresa and Billy Graham and Steve Jobs, just to name a few. But I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here, but I don't think any single one of us on our own is going to change the world. But here's the good news. You might not change the world, but individually, you can change a life. That there can be a, a person that is better off that is different because you stepped up and you did something and it impacted their life for the better. I, I, I just kind of think about this whole idea that we have the ability to impact and influence someone's life like that. And I don't know about you, but you just think about that. I, I don't know, that just kind of grabs my heart. In the New Testament book of Acts, we see what the early church looked like when it started. And in the passage that we're gonna look at today, uh, this is what many people think is the template for what the early church, what the church should look like. Uh, in fact, I, had one, I heard one person say that this is what the church looks like at its best. Here's, here's a part of that passage. Uh, Acts chapter 2, Luke writes this. He says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, some people have interpreted that passage to mean that we shouldn't have nice stuff. That if you have nice stuff, that you don't really love God. I'll be honest with you, when I first became a Jesus follower, I, I really struggled with this. I was thinking like, well, okay, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't have nice clothes, which I know some of you are thinking like, well, you got that one right, Mark. You know, uh, you shouldn't have nice clothes. Uh, you shouldn't go on nice vacations. I've, I've joked about this in the past here before. I was like, you know, maybe Santa Claus will, will deliver me a, 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 a red Corvette convertible or a Shelby Mustang manual, just in case you're thinking. Uh, and I, but I'm thinking, well, if I got something like that, I mean, I, I'm like, I, I'd feel guilty if I had something. Now, this is not saying that you can't have nice stuff and follow Jesus, because when we, we see in the Bible that there are people who had nice stuff and they follow Jesus. But notice what it says. It doesn't say that they sold everything 
It says they sold extras. But what it is saying is that our attitude and posture towards people of the faith should be that they are your family. Not like your family, but they are actually your family. Time and time again, Jesus and the writers of the New Testament would say, he is my brother, she is my sister. That we, ha we have a bond with them because of what Christ has done for us. And when you see a family member in need, what do you do? Well, we don't feel pity on them and just kind of sit back and just watch. We don't just think about wishing or hoping that something changes in their life. We don't say, well, I'll pray for you. What do we do? We actually do something about it. This is why Jesus, uh, this is why the early church, this is why they would see a need and we read about it, then they would respond to that need. Now, let me ask you, who do you think they took their cues from? Now, just a little church trivia uh, tip for you. When you get asked a question in church, 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer is Jesus, okay? So if you say Jesus, you're like, okay, you know, you're most likely gonna get it right. They took their cues from Jesus, that Jesus is the entire inspiration for the book of Acts. It was like, you read that they would do something and you're like, well, why did they do that? Look back and look at the life of Jesus and you'll get the answer exactly why they did it. One of the last things that Jesus taught in the gospel of Matthew and this is one of those things that, that when we read this, if, and if we read it at face value, and it was meant to be read at face value, that when we read this thing as it's meant to be at face value, it, it creates tension and it, it creates this, what do I really do with that? And we should wrestle with it and all that stuff because what Jesus, what Jesus tells in this last part of Matthew is he tells the story of two types of people that are gonna stand before God and that God's gonna divide them into sheep and goats. Now, here's what's interesting about this. In the Middle East, it is very difficult to tell the difference between sheep and goats. In fact, here's a picture of, uh, of sheep and goat. And uh, like I said, from a distance, it's very, very difficult to tell the difference because they're the same size, they're the same dimension. But Jesus is gonna tell us one of the ways that we can tell the difference between the two. And so Jesus kicks it off and he says, hey, on my right are sheep. And the sheep are like, "What? okay, what do we, how did we get here? I mean, this is the place we wanted to be, but, but how did we get so close to you? And then here's what, Jesus, here's what Jesus says. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Now, this is kind of fascinating. Jesus is talking about other people, but he's referring to himself as he talks about other people. And he says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick, and you look after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And so Jesus is like, and this is why, sheep, I am welcoming you, welcoming you into my kingdom. And the sheep are like, well, we saw people in need, but when did we see you in need? And then here's how Jesus replies. The king, who's Jesus, will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one. In other words, how you responded, how you took action. What you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, and least of these just means people who are in need. Might say it, the poor. And then he says, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. Once again, notice the family language there. He says, you did it for me. And so Jesus makes it very clear. When we care for the poor, he takes it very, very personally because they are his brothers. 
and his sisters. And because of that, they are our brothers and our sisters. And so when we care for them, we are in essence caring for him. And then Jesus goes, okay, on the left are the goats. And the goats did nothing about all the people in need that the sheep did something about. And then this is what Jesus says. He says, he will reply, he being the king, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And so Jesus is saying, God takes it very personally about how we respond and care for the poor. Now, this isn't theoretical. I mean, do you care for the poor? You'd be like, yeah, I, I mean, I do. I mean, who doesn't care for the poor, right? I mean, we emotionally care for the poor. I mean, we, we want people to have their needs met, you know, whether it be by food and housing, and, and we want them to be better off. I mean, I think every single one of us would say, yeah, I, I care. But Jesus is telling us, and this is why the early church responded the way it did, is that we need to respond both physically and financially to the needs of the poor because he takes it personally. You know, this is why our church uh, has, has tried really, really hard to be the type of place that cares for the plight of the poor. Uh, it's why we do Live Big every year. And if you're new with us, Live Big is we take a, four weeks in the fall and we talk about things like poverty cycles and we talk about things like uh, the, the, all the opportunities around us because of all the needs around us and how we should we respond to those needs in the way that Jesus has called us to respond to those needs. And what's been really cool is that every year, you guys just, we just kind of crank it up a notch and we respond at a greater level. In fact, this, this past year, uh, we gave away just under $400,000 uh, to meet real needs in, in our community. And I'll, it's kind of crazy. I'll have pastors, uh, they'll say, why do you spend so much time on Live Big? I mean, why not just give a talk and then, you know, take up an offering and all that stuff? Why, why do you spend so much time? And here's what I say to them every single time. Jesus makes it clear, and it's a very clear calling on us, that to care for the poor is to care for him. And if we don't tangibly care for the poor, we aren't caring for him because he cares for them. Almost 11 years ago, I uh, had the opportunity to go with 11 other pastors to Ecuador to learn more about Compassion International. And Compassion International is a nonprofit that works around the world at uh, trying to eradicate poverty within kids. In fact, I love Compassion International's mission statement. And here's their mission statement, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And so we, we went to Ecuador and we got to see how Compassion International works. And here's what they do. They look for impoverished communities and then they partner with a, a, a local church uh, that's on the ground there. And then they build a building. And uh, this, th this building it becomes the, the place that they do everything out of. And what that, what that church does and what that church becomes in that community, it really is like this, this beacon of hope for that community. And then through children's sponsorship and all that that does, I mean, it really does change a community emotionally and physically and spiritually. And so we had the opportunity to tour some of their churches and then we went into some of the homes where, where Compassion is, is serving families and kids and all that stuff. And I was just really impressed at just how organized it was, how intentional it was. I mean, they had booklets of, of families and stuff. They keep records of everything. And it's just, it's like, man, this place is really impacting these communities in poverty. And so we went from there 
I went from there. And then our church, 11 years ago, uh, we decided to partner with Compassion International and, uh, and, and to launch a new church. And we raised $88,000. That's the cost of the building. And then we had the opportunity to sponsor a bunch of kids. And we did, and it made a huge impact. In January 2020, I took a group of 14 people from our church to explore a partnership with Compassion International in one of the poorest places in Honduras. And so we spent a couple days and then uh, the night before we came home, I got this group together and I said, okay, what do you guys think? Is this something our church should get behind? And they were like, no doubt. And then I said, okay, then I want you to raise the $88,000 on your own for the building. And you could have heard a pin drop. And uh, they were like, what are you talking about, Willis? How are we going to do that? And uh, we went back and forth. And I finally said this. I said, I want you to experience what God can do through you to accomplish something that's bigger than you. Well, 12 of them were brave enough to say yes. And uh, they started to fundraise, but early on in the fundraising, COVID hit. But that didn't stop this group. And under 90 days on their own, they raised $88,000. And I tell you what, I can't believe just the effort and the work and the prayer that went in. And I am beyond proud of what they did. A few weeks ago, a few of us had the opportunity to go back to Honduras and see this new church, our church, our family. This new church and the already amazing impact that it is having on a very, very impoverished community. And I'm going to show you some, some video of that trip back. And then uh, when that video is done, our campus pastor Tyler is going to get up and he's going to talk about how every single one of us has the opportunity today to change a life. So I'm actually standing at the property of where the church is. Now here's what's kind of cool. Actually, this is the second piece of property. They actually had another piece of property, uh, but something happened that that fell through. This one opened up and actually uh, talking to the pastor and stuff, it's kind of neat. Uh, this location here, not only they get a bigger piece of land, uh, but this is actually a more impoverished community. Now, when you think about the buildings, it's, it's kind of neat because they're, they're all laid out pretty similar in how Compassion does it. And it's so efficient and it really allows them to serve a couple hundred kids. And so uh, like right behind me, this is the auditorium where they do church. And not only where they do church, but they do a bunch of trainings and stuff in here uh, for their staff that then they send out into the community and work with the different families and stuff of the kids that, that are sponsored. Actually, there's a training going on there right now. And uh, we actually uh, just had church there a little bit ago, which was unbelievable. Now, if you go over here, this is a second building. And uh, actually, this courtyard is where all the kids play and stuff when they have recess for school. And we got to see there was a couple hundred kids just uh, playing around with soccer balls and different things like this. Uh, but over here are classrooms. And so this whole side of the building right here is just filled with kids with class in classes. And uh, it's, it's really neat when you just see, see the kids in there learning and, uh, and just engaging, fully staffed uh, by the church and through compassion. And so they get a really good education here. And so you got classroom, classrooms, and then uh, uh, over here you have uh, some storage for food. And then back over here, this is where they prepare uh, a lot of the food. 
And so you go in here and they have a bunch of food that they can prepare back there for the kids and so they can serve them lunch and different things like that. And also as they as they gather supplies that they send out in community, they, they'll, they'll store them there. And then there's some more storage uh, over here. Now, just a, a couple things about this community is it's kind of fascinating. Uh, most of Compassion Church plants, they actually, uh, they, most of the people that come are right by the church, meaning they're about a five minute walk. But this one's unique because of the poverty. They actually expanded that circle and uh, it's about a 15 to 20 minute walk just so they can connect with more kids just due to the poverty level here. How, how many kids currently attend the school? Oh, wow. Yeah, how, how hard was it for you to get to 146 kids or did it grow quickly? No, sí fue difícil porque nuestra hermana con mi esposa y el equipo anduvieron en lugares it was difficult because uh, his wife and uh, sister Janet went to really far places from here. Porque recuerde que esto es de ir al más necesitado, no al que esté más cerca. Because we have to keep in mind that this is about getting the people with the most need, not the ones that are closer. So my prayer has been, and my hope is that we would sponsor 146 kids. And those 146 kids, they're gonna be a part of this church right here. And then we have the opportunity to sponsor another 150. And those 150 are gonna be a part of a, a partner church of this one. And so we just have a, an opportunity to, I think, sponsor 300 kids. You know, when I used to hear the the idea of sponsoring kids, I'll, I'll honestly be be transparent with you. I used to be pretty skeptical of the whole thing. I would get these these pictures of kids, and I'd look at the kids, and I go, "Is that real? Is that just some stock photo?" You know? And then they'd say, "Hey, you get a monthly a sponsorship of this, and it goes towards this." And I'd be like, "Really?" And how do you know? And uh, and you're supposed to write letters, and you write letters, and it's like, does someone just like on the other side take it and go, "Oh yeah, that's great," crumple it up and kind of throw it away? And so I was highly skeptical. You know, it wasn't until uh, I went on the Ecuadorian trip and uh, I just got to see just the full impact of compassion in what they do. And it really does matter. It really does change a kid's life. And I remember when I left that trip, I started to do a bunch of research on compassion. And I'm telling you what, uh, they are a true world-class organization. And what I love about them, and this is one of the reasons why we're partnering with them, is that they do everything through the local church. And so the idea is for $43 a month, uh, our, our gift will actually break the cycle of poverty in another kid's life. And so it'll go towards things like food and medical care, education, which most of them don't get the opportunity to do. And all of it, and this is the cool thing, all of it is done through the local church.
Now, here's the letter writing thing that I, that I was just kind of blown away by this. Uh, when we were in Ecuador again, uh, we got to go into some sponsor homes and we got to meet some of the sponsor kids and it was cool. We'd be like by their bedside and then you would get like right up by uh, their pillow and they would have picture of their sponsor families and then they would have this pack of letters and we'd be like, hey, what is that? And they'd be like, oh, we, we save all the letters from our family and they would call them our family. So it wasn't just like this financial thing. I mean, they really saw it as family. They're like, I pray for my family every week and all that stuff. I look forward to getting the letters. And I was just like, yeah, this is truly a relational thing. Now, Donna and I, we are in on this thing. Uh, we wouldn't ask you to do something that, that we wouldn't do. And uh, we're sponsoring two kids. And what was really cool is a couple weeks ago, I got to go and meet our sponsor kids, but not just meet them, because we weren't sponsoring that, but actually tell them that we were sponsoring them. How many people does it take to pump up a football? Giovanni, from Mark and Donna, this is for you, this is for you, a gift from us to you, and, uh, and we are honored that we get to sponsor you. That was really good. Oh, of course. We love you. We love you. Love you. We believe that God has led us to you. And we can't wait to watch you grow up into a wonderful woman of God. And we love you. It's yours. Oh, of course, sweetie. Of course, sweetie, we love you. Dana, Dana, Venga. Dígale que gracias a él y gracias a su esposa. John, we get a picture. Oh, of course. Thank you for being with me. Oh, we we love you. Already, already. Hey, John, take a picture. Yeah, look at the look at the Give me five. You give me five. Chocala, chocala. No, give me five. When we talk about sponsoring kids, uh, I know this is true of me. It's so easy to go, okay, so we're going to sponsor kids that are living in some faraway country, and uh, okay, and so I do this every month and all this stuff. And there's really no personal connection because we'll never get a chance to personally connect with the kids. But here's what I want you to think about: the church that we are partnering with. This is a church that we planted. And so those kids aren't just kids because that's our church. These are our kids. You know, just as you got to see me meet our sponsored kids, what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to organize trips in the future where you're going to get the opportunity to meet your sponsored kids. And not only that, but you get to spend time in the country at the church and be a part of what's going on there and also hopefully be a part of future churches. As I mentioned earlier, we get the opportunity to do something that Jesus takes very personally. I hope you're like me and is someone who takes the Bible very seriously. And when I say seriously, I just mean someone who, who bends their life towards what the Bible says. Because if we do, we go back to what we just heard Jesus talk about when he said this. He said, someday we're all gonna die and we're gonna stand before God. 
And one of the questions that God's going to ask is, how did you take care of me? Now, fortunately for all of you who are part of what God's doing at the Ridge and you give and you tithe and you're just generous to what goes on, there's going to be people who are going to say, hey, I'm here because of them. I'm here. And we may not know who they are, but you know, they're going to be there. One of the things I think about is I hope that there's people up there who will vouch for me and they'll go and they'll kind of raise their hand. They go, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, you know, hey, he, he fed me. He clothed me. I can vouch for him. We get the opportunity for $43 a month to take something that Jesus takes very seriously and that is provide for a child in need. And what that need does is, as I said earlier, it breaks the cycle of poverty in their life. And just like our kids, it gives them a chance to dream and to hope. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, Mark, that's great, but this feels like kind of an impulse buy. It feels like kind of an impulse decision. And you know what? I get that. But I want you to think about this. We make impulse decisions all the time. I mean, we, we go to stores, we go online, and we impulse buy. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But let me ask you, when was the last time you impulse purchased for something that could actually change a life? What would you like to say to your church family up in the United States? El mensaje que yo les darías es sinceramente decirle gracias. Que Dios que Dios provea fuerzas, que Dios provea salud, trabajo para las familias, sus hijos. Porque de muy largo han acogido nuestra iglesia. para poder despertar y resucitar sueños en, en nuestra comunidad, en nuestro país. Nuestra oración como pastores, como iglesia, como proyecto, siempre es bendecir a nuestros hermanos que nos están acompañando para que esto avance. Que Dios bendiga la obra de sus manos. Porque cada sacrificio en el trabajo que hacen, hace que también se despoje de una aportación económica. Y poder avanzar en, en esta obra. I know there's a voice in your ear telling you to disqualify everything I just said. And you know how I know that? Because it's the same voice that's in my ear. That we have a spiritual enemy that's telling us not to get on God's agenda, to not be generous, to hear stuff like this and to just shut down and ignore it and to just affirm what we're already doing in our lives. Can I just challenge you to do this? Ignore the voice and just do what God is telling you to do. You know, we can't change the world, but we can change a world by changing a life.